Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze and interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. This is Aaron. That's Ann. Hey. Shars over there on the ones and twos. You can find us at BFF.FM every Monday from 6 to 6.30 a.m. We're giving you another piece of Sundance, everybody. <laughs> but we're also tying it in with the end of Oscars week. Correct. Uh, we're, we're riding the tail end of Oscars and, and still celebrating Miss Hilder Gudna Dottir, who became the first woman to win for uh, Best Original Score for Joker. Yep. And we had an incredible roundtable. Unfortunately, Aaron wasn't wasn't able to join this one, but we had a female composers roundtable at Sundance. Uh, myself and uh, Lancia Wan, who's uh, our producer for the Festival Daily Buzz, we're going to be speaking with female composers and nicotine to Mark Ali and Nainita Desai. And these women are incredible. The, the interesting thing is, you know, when we have these roundtables set up, you don't really know where the conversation is going to go. You're hoping that everybody's going to mesh, but sometimes it's a little harder and, and you have to kind of pull everyone together. But And it's uh, first thing in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and their films are so different. You're hoping that they'll be able to connect somehow. Uh, and this one, I think, was one of the best roundtables that we did. I agree. I was um, in the room. I, I was really happy about the conversation uh, and where it went. Yeah. So... so uh, We'll just let you take a listen, but uh, really excited to have these really badass women on the show. So enjoy. Hi, my name is Anne Nicotin. I'm Tamar Kali. Good morning. I'm Nanita Desai. How has the experience been so far at Sundance for you all? For me, it's I'm a Sundance virgin, so <laughs> so it's just been so warm and welcoming. Um, it's a real community spirit here. Um, it's and despite the cold, it's so warm. I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is my fourth time, but it's the first time that I've really engaged wholly and completely in the film score composer world. Like my first visit, I was just performing because I did a cameo in a film and had music in a film. So um, I guess it, it, it's been a transformative experience over the, the times. Mm -hmm. But um, I am particularly um, appreciative of the composer community. Um, I, I just love the energy and the vibration here. Everyone's really loving and supportive of each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's one of those festivals that really takes music into consideration above, you know, other festivals don't seem to have so much importance on music. I mean, we're buzzing around, aren't yeah, we? Absolutely. Just going from yeah, event to just, event. Yeah. It's very supportive. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people don't realize the importance of sound. Maybe you don't realize it, but subconsciously, but it is a character in the film, essentially, and it carries the film. So can you each quickly talk about your the projects that you're here for and how you approached composing it? Yep. We can start so, with Anne. Sure. Okay. So my um, film is called Lost Girls. It's directed by Liz Garbus, who's um, a documentary filmmaker, and this is her first narrative feature. Um, it's based on a true story. Um, it's about a mother from a working class background whose daughter goes missing um, and the police have no interest in finding her. We realise that the daughter's a sex worker and there's a whole underground scene um, of this where girls are going missing and police are reluctant to show any interest in finding them. So it's, uh, it's all about this mother's fight for justice for her daughter and these missing girls. So when you went about composing it, mm -hmm. what kind of emotion did you need to bring to that? Um, well, we both come from documentary backgrounds, and so we talked a lot about 
having the music as a strong character for these strong women, but also holding back when we need to and letting the drama unfold for itself and speak for itself. Um, we decided on a small ensemble, so I wrote it for five strings and piano, and um, I had a vocal vocalist sing to sort of represent the missing girls. We, it was quite a haunting spiritual sound. Tamara, you have three different films. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Talk about them all. Um, <laughs> how did that come about? Um, that they just all happen to be here yeah. at the same time, and how they're they're also very different films. Yes, they are. Um, 2019 was, I was just a savage. I was writing my face off. I don't know <laughs> what was in the cards, but it was like a super busy year. And fortunately, um, three of the four films I, I, I scored last year are in the festival. And um, But what they do have in common is that they're all women directors. And um, uh, I've been, you know, my sisters are coming for me and that's 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 all good. So, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> The um, so there are three in total. One that is being released um, at in a couple of days. Actually, the assistant comes out the thirty first. Is by Kitty Green, and she's a young, fresh, strong voice um, from Australia, and um, it deals with um, workplace discrimination and abuse. And um, she has a very minimalist approach. So um, my work in that regard was very atmospheric and and kind of layer centric just to create a word. I saw the film the other day at the premiere and you can tell like her work was it's stark, it's bleak, yes. it's it creates an environment where yes. the music really has to come into play to sort of help mold that environment as mm -hmm. well. And there aren't too many instances. It's kind of like a book-ended approach with the music in the piece. Um, but I, I really just um, am very excited to see what else she's going to be bringing into the world of films and it was it was really great to work with her. Um, and the film that premiered last night was Steve Reese's The Last Thing He Wanted. And um, that project um, has some of my most extensive like orchestrations for film to date. Um, that's like the largest ensemble that I've recorded. It's an espionage thriller, psychological drama. Uh, and then there's Shirley, which premiered on Saturday with Josephine Decker. And I was really able to flex my creativity in a way that I didn't necessarily expect um, in the genre as a film composer because I come from a performing and recording background and I'm a vocalist. And so um, when Josephine and I initially met, she discussed thinking about the female voice as a singular instrument in the score, at, at, you know, in some instances. And so I really went places um, in <laughs> crafting the score that, um, you know, I could, she had to push me a little because I was just like, well, you really want me to go crazy? Like, you know, and so being in a room by myself, just I leaned on my choral classical uh, training, but with a little banshee in there. So um, in addition to a string quartet and piano, there's my voice. And on some cues, it's just layers of my voice. So it was very, it was, um, but you feel a little exposed when you do that type of you know, when you make that type of decision and you're sitting in the theater and you're just hearing yourself 10 times, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little, you know, try, it, it, you know, it, it's, 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 it's an experience. And Nanita, you worked on The Reason I Jumped. Yes, that's how, right. How was that? How did you sort of mold that soundtrack to the, mm -hmm. to the um, documentary? Well, well, firstly, the, um, the film is based on a book, the bestseller book, The Reason I Jump, which, um, 
encapsulates the world of non-verbal autism. So like the book upon which the film is based, the uh, the score opens up a constellation to a divergent array of realities, different realities that uh, autistic people uh, inhabit. Um, so the aim was to evoke and illustrate the intense multi-sensory worlds of uh, autism and of the characters uh, using sound and sound design and music. So uh, we worked on, this, uh, on the entire soundtrack in 360 sound in, in Dolby Atmos, where technically we're pushing the edges of what's capable with audio technology in, in cinematic theatres. Um, so basically the story covers impactful moments in the lives of five characters who are all non-verbal autistic and that's infused interwoven with uh, passages from uh, the writings of the 13 year old Japanese boy who actually wrote the book mm. about 10 years ago and um, it's a very rich tapestry uh, it's very beautiful and poetic and uh, uh, stimulates all the senses so in terms of sound palette i um because they're non-verbal one of the key moments was uh, elements was because they're non-verbal i wanted to give them a voice so i took passages from uh, the english translation of the book translated them key, took key phrases from the book um, and translated them into japanese and then because autistic people perceive the world in a very different way, um, they see details in the world around them and then they'll see the whole picture. Mm. So I took, um, I recorded vocals in a very fragmented, broken way, all s s sung in Japanese uh, and taking uh, existential metaphysical phrases like we are outside the flow of time or beautiful circle because autistic people uh, there, are, there are certain traits um, that resonate with them. For example, they love uh, cyclical motion. Um, they rock backwards and forwards uh, because it's cathartic for them. It's a cathartic release. So I used those sort of cyclical, circular elements in the music. I used uh, vocals to give them a voice in a very fragmented, broken way where as pieces developed, they all blended and flowed together as one whole. Um, I also, to be as authentic and true to the story and, and the subject as possible, I brought in a cellist. I, I brought in various uh, violinists and, and cellists uh, to create various textures. And I worked with one particular cellist who plays for the London Philharmonic Orchestra, but she's also autistic. And she's a, a, a cultural ambassador for the National Autistic Association. So she came to my studio and we had very experimental recording sessions. And it was so nourishing and uh, her contribution was so sensitive and valuable because she saw the film and the score in a very different way. So uh, there were moments where I, I played her a cue and I would turn around and she was crying mm. because she said, not only because, oh, the music's beautiful, but because she said that I experience everything the characters experience. Um, so autistic people feel everything very deeply they're hypersensitive so so it was quite a journey uh, working on the score and and then infusing it with the sound design so I worked very closely with the sound designer for over a year where we were almost at times in the actual film mix I would turn up with 20 or 30 layers of music stems and we would to some degree be mixing the music in the actual final film mix which you never do <laughs> ordinarily. Amazing. Um, yes. um, we don't have that much time but I 
wanted to gather you all here today and talk about how, as Tamara, you've mentioned that women are coming up in the composing world. And we just had the first solo female win for the Golden Globe score for Joker, Hilder, I don't want to say her last Good name. Goodness Good dear. <laughs> and yeah. and before um, we started this segment, you sort of mentioned that your colleagues said what now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. I love them dearly. <laughs> there are some, uh, yeah, there are some male composers who feel quite disgruntled about this big movement that's happening. And, um, you know, some of them have said, well, you know, I may as well give up when I go to interviews because I know a woman's going to get the job. I can see their point. Well, maybe the boot's on the other foot now they know what it's like. Well, this is it. I can <laughs> Wait, see what's the this saying real quick to mind? There's an old southern saying, a hit dog will holler. <laughs> and it's basically like, yep. you know, I mean, because yeah. I, mean, I mean, I think that whole premise is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why I say it is... <sighs> It, it, it just, it sounds like this false narrative, kind of like reverse racism and things of that mm-hmm. nature. There are a myriad of reasons, um, political, discriminatory, why you may not get a job, just as human beings. But how racism and sexism works is not that it's a complete one-way street. What it is, is that these are ills in societies. Discrimination happens to people. But marginalized people are affected disproportionately. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you are either interested in equity or you are not. When the sour grapes come out, I think it's because I've seen so many times where even the word inclusion creates hives and rashes and people whose identity has been centered their entire life. They literally cannot handle not being the focus, the litmus test for humanity. Mm. And they're going to have to evolve. You know, no, it's true. I've had some very supportive male friends as well, composers, mixers, engineers, and they've been, you know, whenever I've said, oh, there's a job, but they want a woman composer. I don't know how I feel about that. And they'd say, just take it. This is men have been getting jobs because they're men mm-hmm. for the last, you know, yeah. thousands of nothing. years. As an employer, there's and, nothing uh, wrong with specifically if someone yeah. if someone says this is the type of voice I would like. It's just like it's just like saying, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying. I, I'm not about tokenism, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and being patronized, yeah. right? Well, but this is it, yeah. This yeah is, there's a fine line. It's very want. complex, yep. this whole issue. But I think we do need to enforce something because nothing's happening. You know, that prior to the last couple of years, women were not being given these opportunities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't happening naturally. Yes. And so we've got mm-hmm. to push this mm-hmm. movement and hopefully it'll all fizzle out and we'll all just become Well, then it becomes a level playing field, doesn't it? that's what we're mm-hmm. looking yeah. towards, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where it's it's a meritocracy of sorts, right? Yeah. That's, what, yes. that's what we want. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't exist. Yeah, absolutely. We but don't I think, have parity um, yeah. or equity. I think it comes from the top as well. I think people like to employ people that they feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. They want to employ people that look like themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so because it has been a very male-dominated profession, I totally understand that because you want to be part of the boys' club and you want to hang out together. Mm-hmm. But I think now, you know, with when, peop- when women are in power, you know, executive producers, series producers, female filmmakers, they want to employ people that they feel comfortable with and reflect their way of thinking and the certain certain sensibility you know mm-hmm. and if women fit that role mm-hmm. i don't see the harm in that yeah. at all you know it I just mean, yeah. as a human being why would i ever be against the accurate description of the diversity of our existence yes mm-hmm. why would that cause yeah, me absolutely. any distress 
And I think yeah, we need more absolutely. diverse stories as well. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You, yeah. Oof. It's an exciting time, <laughs> I think. Job. I Thank you. Jeez. I'm just sitting back enjoying this conversation. <laughs> That was Anne Nicotine, Tamar Kali, and Nainita Desai, female composers that we had a chance to sit down with at Sundance. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. Yeah, and I, <laughs> um, I'm bummed that I didn't do a little Googling before the interview because Tamar was at a Mill Valley Film Festival, like th- I think it was two to three years ago, at one of the first um, Mind the Gaps I went to, and she played at the end because she was, I think she was the composer, uh, songwriter on the film Mudbound. And holy shit, I was like front row and she's powerful. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm really happy that she was on the mic. It was a little bit full circle. I'm like, cool, because I really, really, really enjoyed her. And I'm so glad that she, her star is rising. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and she had a lot to say, which was great. And I love how she... <laughs> she wasn't afraid. Yeah. And I love how she brings up like all these women filmmakers were just calling to me, you know, and uh, and they all just mesh so well and... and the conversation that was had was really in depth and right. powerful. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad you had that conversation. Um, I'm glad that the first female composer um, won this year, which is crazy. We're in 2020, mm-hmm. and um, I hope to see more of that. I hope to see one of these women nominated maybe next year, maybe tomorrow. Absolutely. Yeah. And them talking about their process too. Uh, I think it's really easy. It's funny because sound is so important in a film. It's so important, but as a watch, as a viewer, you don't realize how important it is unless it's bad. Oh, uh, right, yeah. <laughs> but when they're talking about their process, it's so involved, as much so as any actor or director has to go through. So I loved hearing them talk about their process and how different it was depending on what the film was. So yeah. shout out to these bad bitches. If I had a, another life or if I have another life, I really wish that I went into music and film. I wish I hmm. did that. I'd love to pick music for film. I I don't know. Cool. One day <laughs> in my next life. Anyways, <laughs> that was our uh, little episode, another episode from Sundance. We only have 60 69 more to go. Oh yeah. Mhm. But yeah, 69 all together. <laughs> of course we <laughs> that did. That was organic. Of course we did. The 69 happened naturally as it does. <laughs> <laughs> Although, does it happen anymore? I don't know. Didn't we have that conversation? <laughs> we of did. Of course it was 69. Yeah, we were Sorry. like, and you were like, do people even still do yeah, that? Yeah, it seems so retro. <laughs> I don't even know. Anyways, that's a different conversation. You guys can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com. All our socials, all our episodes are there. All 400 and I've lost count. Uh, you can also find us every Monday morning at bff.fm from 6 to 6.30. We are powered by GoTo Productions. Bitch, please. <laughs>